Good morning, Saints. <clears throat> Little adjustment here on the, on the technical side, I believe. Oh, wow. Another beautiful day to be alive in Christ. Amen. And all, as you all are aware of, all of us are walking miracles on the face of the earth. I talked with, or I didn't talk with James. My wife talked with uh, Cindy Barron this morning. Uh, James has gotten back from England. Uh, he had taken Jake over there. Uh, his youngest, one of his sons, has had been invited with uh, some select players to go over and be a part of an international soccer training academy and a kind of a grooming experience, kind of the first fruits of possibly training for professional soccer players. And uh, he's very good. This guy's he does more with his feet than I can do with my hands. And he's just this, this guy, and he's only this tall, you know. But anyway... Uh, they were over there, and while they were there, it's quite cold and quite uh, wet, and uh, being outside quite a bit, they've contracted some physical experiences that they weren't really anticipating, but uh, he's not doing too well this morning, and so Hazel encouraged Cindy to put the young man back in the bed and uh, let him totally recover, and so he says, do you think there's anybody that would like to share the good news? And uh, I said, sure, the class is going to be excited about sharing the good news, and so as I was talking to John just a few minutes ago, we are all more than adequate ministers of the new covenant. And uh, the great thing about the new covenant, the good news never goes bad. Ever. And man, I, it's so cool that we can just continually share the good news and share the good news. And the more you share the good news, it gets better and better and better and better. It's just like what God did. He saw the old covenant and he said, I think I'm going to do away with this. He did the better covenant, and he himself called it better. I wanted a better deal with man, and so he, he changed everything. So I'm glad to see you guys here, and I'm sure there's going to be more coming in and out. We'll try to keep, keep this as uh, very pointed and as succinct as possible. We want to begin with prayer, and I just want to say a couple things to kind of get the ball rolling, um, but be prepared today. I'd like to be able to bring the mic to your face, and... Uh, as you speak, so that when everybody can hear, let us be encouragers of one another, okay? Uh, let us build up one another in our most holy faith. And that's the purpose of our being together. And we have this uh, genuine opportunity from time to time to be able to do that in this smaller setting, even though we get to do it before and after the main gathering. So we'll seize this opportunity today, okay? And uh, let's pray and just uh, behold what God would do while we're together in this short time. Good morning, God. Dad, it's so good that we can talk to you and that you not only return and that we hear, but Father, you grab us up in your arms and you dance with us and you play with us. And when we say, God, let's play toys. You say, which one would you like to play? When we say, God, we want to be serious with you about experiences in life, you say, what would you have me do? You are intimately and personally involved with us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness that endures to all generations. Father, we just ask that today, as we begin to share, allow your Holy Spirit 
to spawn within us that which is necessary to continue to recognize and be sensitive to the reality of that you are continually taking us from grace to grace, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. We rejoice in this, Lord, because only you can do these things. And we rest in them because of what you've done in Christ, Father. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Come in, ladies. Have a seat. I invite you all the way up here to the front row. Come on, come on, come on. You guys look a lot better than these empty seats. So come on up here, you know. And uh, excellent. Um, in the account of Genesis, in the, especially the second chapter, there is a uh, description given about the creation and the creation of man. And a lot of times we have uh, come to misunderstand how God really dealt with man. I've had an opportunity to share this a little bit with different ones in the last few weeks one-on-one, but I wanted to just kind of bring this out a little bit uh, because when we see this as part of the revelation of what God has done in the new covenant, it radically changes and it causes us to venture into more and more of having our mind renewed. And whenever the DNA is altered up here, boy, our hearts are released in here, you see. But the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 that creation took place whenever God spoke. He said, let there be light. And because of his word that went forth into nothingness, that which did not exist became reality. And it goes through the adventures of what is called several days of God speaking and things coming into reality, into a seen realm. But then there's a, an account given in the second chapter of Genesis that declares that there's something very different about what took place when God, quote, created man. Now, if we miss this, we miss a lot. Because in reality, God did not speak man into existence. If we miss this, we miss something very vital. So let's hear this today. In the second chapter of Genesis, it says that God made a decision. He spoke to himself, as a matter of fact. He said, let us make man in our own image. And the Bible says that God, instead of speaking man into existence, he formed man with his own hands. Out of creation, the dust of the earth, that which he had spoken into existence, out of nothing, he took that something then, and he took it to our higher level. That's the reason we are higher than the dog and the cat and the lion and that which roams on four legs or two legs or that we're not monkeys, okay? Because monkeys and things that were created with the voice of God are very different from those of us who have been formed by the hand of God. Out of the dust of the earth, God himself took his hand and he formed formed man 
And then it continues the account. God did something really radical there. He knocked man out, caused him to go to sleep one day. And in his sleep, God did something else. He didn't speak. He took his hand again, and he entered that which he had formed, and he took a rib out of that which he had formed with his hand. And in from that rib says that he formed woe man. You see, and he gave woe man to man. And the two of them were commissioned then by God to actually seize and, and reign in the garden. So God formed man, he formed woman, and gave them the power to subdue all that which had been spoken into existence. We are higher than creation. Now, angels were actually created. Man was formed. We are so uniquely different. Why did God do that? Because he wants to have a friend. He wants to have a relationship. But what he did with man, he says, instead of them, me making them to be monkeys where I can command them to do anything, I'm going to give them the privilege of choice. I'm going to invest myself in them. Just as I can change my mind, I'm going to give them a part of myself. Part of his image is the ability to change his mind. God can repent. The Bible even says that he repented. He changed his mind. All right? So we have the ability to actually change our minds. That's part of being in the image of God. That's part of our formedness. All right? So the account is given in Genesis where we have been formed by the hand of God. We go through the fall of man, where man then, being tempted of Satan, looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we decide to imbibe, to eat of that particular experience that God said no. And because of that, death entered the picture. Alienation from God. Man falls from his relationship with God. He is driven out of the garden. God then chooses, over a span of time, to enter into a contractual agreement with, with man based on a covenant between God and man, and it was called the law. The Ten Commandments and all the ordinances that were attached to it. Anybody interested in reading the book of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and all that stuff, have at it. It's all there. God was in contractual relationship with God for, with man for years. God, seeing that there was a greater need here, and before even man existed, he says, I want a friend, and I'm going to do everything possible to make this friendship happen. So even though we blew it, God said, I'm still going to take care of the situation. And we're told in the Word about how that God brings about a new covenant. Instead of the old covenant being made between God and man, God takes upon Himself the reality of forming a new covenant, and now the new covenant is between God the Father and God the Son. And in that covenant, He says to man, Here's where you can exercise my image. 
my, the, the blessing of choice. I'm going to give you the privilege of exercising choice. If you believe on what I've done, I'm going to graft you in to the new covenant. And so, instead of us being in a works covenant, the old covenant, where if I don't kill anyone, I'm in good with God. If I don't steal something, I'm good with God. If I don't covet something of my neighbor, I'm good with God. If I love my mother and my father, I'm good with God. If I have no other gods before me, before God, I'm good with God. But guess what? We couldn't hold up our end of the bargain. And the Bible says if you fail in one of the laws, you're guilty of them all. So we blew it. But God said, don't worry about it. I got you covered. And the new covenant came along. In the old covenant, the relationship with God was constantly um, propelled because God had established a priesthood that would go into the Holy of Holies annually, and they would offer that sacrifice for sins for that year, and they would offer the lambs and the doves and the pigeons and whatever was necessary for that particular sin, and there was a covering of that sin that kept man in relationship. God said, that isn't good enough. I'm going to offer the perfect lamb one time for all people. That's the reason he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And the offering of his son, Jesus Christ, the Bible says now, just as in the old covenant, okay, he was dealing with us based on having a, 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 a God and man relationship. God took the responsibility away from man and he says, now all you have to do, instead of doing a work to maintain this relationship, I'm going to require one thing of you. One thing only. Even the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, What would you have us do? What would you have us do? What is it that I must do? You say that we, we, we've kept the law. We've done all this. But you say that there's more. What is it? He says, One thing. One thing. Believe on the one whom God has sent. That's it. That's the one thing I require. I call, my wife calls it the one duck. See, we used to think we'd get all our ducks lined up. There's only one duck, okay? And so God says, I'm going to take the responsibility that now, because of what I've done, if you'll believe it, I graft you in. I make you my own. Now, the old covenant will propagate and stand religion up as the standard. The term religion means religion, to be bound again rebound to be bound again to something that's other than God but I'm telling you that the new covenant will always propagate reunion reunion not religion but reunion relationship with God through Jesus Christ is not religion it is reunion it is a place where we had been in a fallen state separated from God aliens on the face of the earth and God did something so radical that he came to the face of the earth he lived that perfect life he gave himself as the perfect sacrifice and as a result of that now God says you enter into a reunion with me by simply resting in what I've done and there's nothing more required than you to believe 
That is great news, guys. Woo, thank you, Lord. He's done something so cool, I can handle this. Because I get, keep thinking, God, you've required this. And he says, can you do that? Oh, yeah. Are you sure you can do that? Oh, yeah. Why? Because it really doesn't require anything. Oh, it's kind of like going to the beach and laying on the shore. Listening to the waves hit. Oh, this is really cool. Wow, behold God. Behold God. All we're doing is simply resting in what God has done. Resting in what God has done. Resting in what God has done. Now, I said all that to say this, and I want to open up for you guys to share a little bit with the class about what's going on in your own lives. Remember in the, new, in the old creation, in the creation of man, what we call the creation of man, God took his hand, and he took the dust of the earth, and he formed man. The Bible says, then he breathed into that form with his own breath, and through the nostrils of that formed image, he gave life. And it says that man became a living being. All right? I want to contrast that now to what God does in the new creation. The old creation, God formed us with his hand and breathed the breath of life. Here's the cool thing about the new creation. Whenever you say to the Lord, I have heard the good news, just like when voidness and death and nothing there was heard, God say, let there be light. And out of nothing, something took place and something became real. So it is, the Bible says, that when we hear the message of the good news and our hearts respond to it, even though it may be dead and void and there's nothing there, when that word, that dynamic word comes to us, there is a, a spark of life that takes place, and that death and that, that lifelessness goes, Whoo! and there's that word that went forth, but God doesn't stop there. The Bible says then that with his own finger, remember now God took his hand and he created out of dust, the form of man, and breathed breath into, into his nostrils. Now in the new creation, here's what God done, does in the unseen realm. This is why we're in the world, but we're not of it. Okay? We're in it, but we're not of it. What God did, Chrissy, whenever you received the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what God did. He made you a new creation. With his own hand now, in the dust that you're made of, he supernaturally reaches into your life. And the Bible says that he actually circumcises or he takes away that part of you, quarantines sin in your flesh. And he then, just as he breathes the spirit of himself into the formed image of the, the old creation, that being that we are, now the Spirit of God, His breath, breathes within you, and He gives you new life and new union. He has formed now the new creation, and we are now united with the living God through faith. That's why you and I are no longer bound to the old creation. We are not of this world. We are only journeymen going through it. We've heard the good news. And the, new, the good news has responded. We've responded with it. And our hearts have said, yes. And in saying yes, 
We have been formed again by the hand of God. And now the Holy Spirit continually, He is the breath of God. He is the breath of God. And now the Holy Spirit continually breathes upon you as an individual. He breathes upon me. The great teacher himself resides within us. And he continually leads us into all truth. This is good news, guys. It's incredible. Now, religion won't tell you this. They're going to teach. People are going to teach you. It's up to you. You've got to do it. Behavior modification. You've got to get your act together. There is no act. The only act that took place was the mighty hand of God who said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all judgment to myself, and I will take the judgment that belonged to you, and because I have been judged, you are now released to believe, and because you believe, you have life eternal. And that's where we live, right there in that promise. We are partakers of His divine nature. We live in the new covenant. That is great news, guys. I love this stuff. Oh, I love this stuff. And I love the way that Titus puts it. My wife showed me this passage this week. I'm reading from Titus chapter 2. Just listen, verses 11 through the end of the chapter. This is why you and I do not have to work at being other than who we are and resting in God. The law says that we've got to do something. When the grace of God appears... Remember James talks about an orange tree doesn't work at bearing oranges? It's just the natural fruit. It's inherent within the seed that was planted. Titus says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, not just a select few, not just elect, all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness, and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good work, for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority, Let no one disregard you. So with all authority, guys, we can all speak, saying, listen, we are freed now from having to try to be godly. Now we rest in that we are godly because of what God has done in Christ. Awesome good news. Awesome good news. I just want to try to make it clear today and understand that it's because of what God has done. His hand is constantly at work in your life and my life. He is constantly, constantly bringing us into further revelation of the new covenant. He continually is revealing to us and allowing us to manifest His life in the world today. You're not having to perfect yourself. You're not having to get better. You're resting in the better covenant. There's great freedom in that. So let's stay there. Let's just abide there. 
And I'm sure that there's a lot of things going on in your lives that over the course of the last few weeks, months, years, the Holy Spirit's just been like, whoa, this is so wild. This is cool. I just got to share it with someone. Today's a good opportunity for you to do that. So for the next few minutes, I don't know. Dano, you have to kind of give me the cutoff point here because we got to get some of this equipment back into the other building. But uh, let's have several. Anybody want to share this morning about what, what the Holy Spirit's been showing you regarding your walk in the Lord? Um, here's, an, here's a golden opportunity. Anyone? Uh, when Paul saw Christ uh, on the way to Damascus, um, it took him 14 years before his ministry started. It took, so we need to be patient with ourselves in this. Yes. That's great. Being patient with ourselves. And do you realize that patience is a fruit of the Spirit? It's not like you've got to, I've got to have patience. I've got to, you have patience. Just rest in it. You know why? This is a good word. In your patience, you possess the revelation that's in your soul. In your resting. Having patience is a great dynamic of rest. 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 You know why the doctors in the physical realm say you need to go home and rest? Because they know that you're going to be made well in the physical. When we rest in Christ, we are made whole. We're made whole. Complete. Perfection continues. He's manifested. Someone else. Good word, brother. Someone else. It seems like to me it's not so much of being obedient anymore. It's the life in me responding to the life and the love of the Lord. Just responding. Not expect, you know, not having great expectations of this, that, and the other, but responding with an expectancy of his manifestation. Absolutely. That's the essence of the, of the covenant again. Remember, the old covenant was responding to that which was external. Now, the new covenant is our response is that which is internal. We're manifesting, just manifesting in God's timing, not ours. Interesting. Yes. Someone else? And, um, you know, you, you have all this knowledge and everything, but it comes down to, do I trust the Lord? And uh, as time goes on, you know, you're learning to trust, get out of your own way. Uh, I know a lot of us in here probably, you know, have a position, whether at home or on your job, where you're responsible, that you're capable, and you have a tendency to just, okay, I can do this on my own, I can do this on my own. And the trust issues, like, eh. So it's it's been interesting. It's been uh, really good. So it's good, absolutely. Trust, patience. Oh man, more of this fruit of the spirit stuff. I love it. Someone else. I'm sick today, but I'll try to talk. <laughs> One of my favorite scriptures is um, Exodus 34, 6 and 7, when um, God appears to Moses and describes his character to him. And one of the things that always goes with that with me is that I'm, I think it's First John, he says God is love. So when I uh, read 34, 6, and 7 from Exodus, um, I'll read it here from the King James. I'll start with 5. And Jehovah descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of Jehovah. And Jehovah passed by before him and proclaimed, Jehovah, Jehovah, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth, keeping loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. 
and then I kind of stop it there because the next portion talks about the guilty, but we as Christians aren't guilty anymore. So we have all of that fullness and the attributes of love that God says that he is live within us. So for me, part of um, living in faith is believing those attributes are mine now and resting in those attributes of grace and mercy and patience and faithfulness and forgiveness and being abundant and giving. So um, for me, I just expect his attributes to flow through me. And part of resting is waiting for them to arrive. Yes. All right. Love it. Good word. When we share these uh, experiences that God is bringing us through in our lifestyles and our lives, when you start sharing with your family, your friends, your business relationships about the unseen things that are taking place in your life, you can always expect responses like this, a Nicodemus response. How can these things be? You can probably expect a response from the logic of, that's impossible. Or, another logical response is, that's too good to be true. We're talking the God who spoke things into existence, brought things into being that were not. You and I, in this relationship that we have with God, have a relationship that did not exist. We did not make it. We simply believed, and as a result, we are. All things are possible to them that believe. We believe. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Share some good news. I think the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately, the last couple of weeks, is just where our focus is. Um, you know, we have light in this room from all these lights here. If we were to take all that light and focus it into one direction, we'd have a laser beam, and it would be very, very powerful. And I think that we as humans get so distracted by different things And I love what Hazel said. There you are. When she said the one duck, we don't need to get our ducks in a row. And the reality is when we become believers, there's a whole another dimension that we step into. And this world is not the dimension that we really live in. So when we focus on the true, the unseen, the real, the reality, and not on the here and the now, it's powerful. And when we get distracted with whatever ailment we're going through, whatever situation we're going through, that's down here. This, This is not reality for us. The real reality is the unseen that we we are. We are perfect. We are holy. And though we don't see that in ourselves, in our bodies, right now, that is the reality. So we can either focus on all this stuff down here, which doesn't do a hill of beans or any good, just frustrates the bejeebers out of us, or we focus on the truth, the reality, 
we laser beam on who we really are, and that's it. Yep. Nothing else. So when people try to distract you with, well, what about the end times? What about this or what about that? I, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I, that sounds harsh, but that's not what I'm focused on. I mean, that, that's great. All this stuff down here is great, but this is what I'm worried about now. And so I can easily get distracted into little things and suddenly go, wait a minute, my focus is off. And, you know, if you're a pilot and you're flying from here to Taiwan and you're one-tenth of a degree off, you're way, way, way off. And so just stay focused on just the simple thing of what Christ has done for you, and that's it. Yes. Excellent word, bro. Excellent word. Let me encourage you, and we'll call it done. We are continually given opportunities to manifest this life that God has given to us by faith. Um, this past week, I met with my medical professionals, and they said, uh, from their perspective, the, the report is, you're the same. Things didn't get worse. Things didn't get better. You're the same. And the Lord said, yep, you're just like me. I'm the same. And I said, good word, Lord. As a re- result of that particular meeting, um, I have been turned over to what is called hospice care. And the Lord's opened up some very interesting conversations already. This past week, the chaplain from hospice came to my house. He sits down in the chair, and then we start talking. And you know what's really cool about telling people about the new covenant? Usually they haven't heard it. He says, I came here to talk to you about your relationship with God. <laughs> and I went, this is going to get good. <laughs> and I said, do you want to begin or you want me to begin? <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm just concerned about your well-being. I said, I appreciate that. And I said, well, you just go ahead and tell me your story. And he began to unfold his story. And his, by the way, his name is Noel. Yeah. And you talk about a godsend? Noel, Noel. Anyway, <clears throat> he's a Jamaican guy. He's got that little accent, you know, like from another world. He shows up and he says, okay, tell, he says, now, tell me about your relationship. And the Lord didn't want me to tell him about my life on the planet. I began to share with him about what God had done in Christ and the new covenant. This guy whips out a yellow pad. I'm telling you something, guys. This is how you're able to give away the life of Christ. He starts going, ooh, that's good. I've got to write that down. Ooh, that's good. I've got to write that down. And all you're simply doing is telling them about how that they, by faith, can rest in what God has done. I was able to encourage this Seventh-day Adventist law-abiding chaplain to see the unseen his comment going out the door was it'll be good for us to get together again pretty soon you see now every one of us have these opportunities regularly so no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in it's not our flesh 
We're not focusing on our flesh, the seen realm. Our focus is on what God has done in Christ. This flesh will have to pass away. Sin has been quarantined in this flesh, and the result of sin is death. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's why we have no fear of death or the grave. We have great awesome awareness that God is very alive in the planet, in us. And as a result, we're giving him away regularly. We have found the pearl of great price, and we have given up everything so that we might possess him. And that was nothing, because everything that we had was nothing more than dung. And now we live eternally, eternally. So I say to you once again, as John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. He has quarantined it in our flesh that he by his own hand now has made us alive and his Holy Spirit dwells within us because not only do we live in a new covenant, we are a new creation. To God be the glory. Amen. Father, thank you so much for the joy of being able to just reverberate with your life and your love and your goodness. Thank you for allowing us to share with one another today our focus and our passion. Lord, life on the planet is wonderful and you're miraculous. You show up every day. Oh, but greater are you that is in us than that which is in the world. And so, Father, we just rest in you, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would continually lead us into the truth that we need to live in this very next breath, this very next thought, this very next conversation, and allow us the the privilege, Lord, of being able to see your kingdom come, your will be done 